Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. We're here and we're in the house of the Lord. We're going to have communion and I'm looking forward to that. And though, uh, though there are some things that are great going on, there are also some things in the world that, uh, that, may have, that may have caused some people to worry or fear. And we sung earlier, fear doesn't stand a chance. And we want to talk about that this morning. And what are some of the things people have been rocked by recently? The Dow Jones Industrial took a 600-point nosedive on Friday, and what's that all about? Why are people nervous? It's that that uh, coronavirus, which is spreading worldwide, and it's serious. I read this morning, 15,000 people are confirmed. Over 300 people have uh, passed away. Uh, first person outside of China has died, and that's rocked the the world economy, it's rocked the markets. People are rattled and they're afraid. And on Friday too, January 31st, 2020, it was Brexit. Britain officially left the European Union. A lot of people love it and it's a great thing for uh, Britain. They're, it's their new Independence Day, January 31st, 2020. But again, some people are nervous about it. They're afraid that you know, things aren't going to go well. Closer to home, U.S. Steel's closing a plant downriver, 1,500 people getting laid off. And perhaps you've you know, heard something about your own job and it scares you, makes you nervous. You know, what if the company makes some cuts? What if it transfers operations? What if it closes this plant and moves people to a, a different place or just shuts down completely. You know, or maybe you've heard something going on in your community or in your neighborhood or even in your family. Well, something's coming. Someone's going to move. There's a medical procedure ahead for someone, whatever. And it, it has you on edge. And you're losing a little bit of sleep about it. Then what are we supposed to do when we hear something is coming and it shakes us. And we've talked the past several weeks about praying. The words of Jesus, when you pray. This morning, let's talk a little bit about how fear doesn't stand a chance. In the words of Jesus, when you hear. I want to look at account in Matthew, or uh, Mark's gospel, pardon me. And it occurred just a few days before Jesus was arrested and he went to the cross. He was spending his days in Jerusalem. That final week of his life, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, how he was going into Jerusalem, spending the day there. And he'd spend a lot of time in the temple in Jerusalem, teaching people. Jerusalem was full of people. They were there to celebrate the Jewish feast of Passover. So the city was full. The temple was full. Jesus was making it his daily uh, habit to go there and teach in the temple. And I want to read what occurred one of those days when Jesus was leaving the temple. 
And I'm going to read from Mark's gospel, as I said, uh, chapter 13, the first seven verses. So Mark 13, verses 1 to 7. Reads this way, as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Jesus replied, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he, and he will deceive, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars, and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So Jesus said, when you hear, do not be alarmed. And I'll read that same verse from the parallel account in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 21, verse 9. Jesus' words, when you hear of wars, and uprisings. Do not be frightened. These things must happen. They must happen first, but the end will not come right away. When you hear, when you hear of wars and the like, don't be alarmed. Don't be frightened. Jesus' words, these things are going to happen. He had, re, he had responded to one of his disciples marveling, pointing out this great temple structure, which was pretty magnificent. It had been built up quite spectacularly by King Herod the Great. And as this group walked out of the temple, there's one, wow, look at that teacher. Isn't that magnificent? Look at these huge stones. How did they get them here? It's amazing, the structure. And Jesus gave this strange reply. You see these buildings? Not one stone's gonna be left on another. Every one of them's gonna be thrown down. And Jesus was a prophet. He was a true and an authentic prophet and an accurate prophet. What he said, it came to pass. And it wasn't too far in the future. Just about 40 years from the time Jesus was talking, maybe a few years less. It was in April in the spring, in the springtime of the year 70. And that's when the Roman general Titus, with all his legions, marched on Jerusalem, laid siege to the city. By July, the battering rams were set up and he was breaching the walls of Jerusalem. Battles ensued, but the Romans kept coming. By August, the Romans had taken the temple and they set it ablaze. The, the, the inner room was filled with timbers and fabric and it, it just became an inferno. And by September, the Romans had taken the entire city, 
the lower city of Jerusalem, the upper city of Jerusalem. In about five months' time, the Romans had succeeded in destroying the city and the temple. The historian Josephus reported 1.1 million Jewish lives lost. And that's a staggering number, isn't it? That is just an, an incomprehensible amount of casualties. City gone, and the temple was destroyed, just like Jesus had said. And it's, it's never come back. War. And all the, all the evil that accompanies it, it had come. But remember the words of Jesus. When you hear, when you hear about these things, when you hear of wars and rumors of war and uprisings, do not be afraid. Do not be alarmed. And you know, if you were living then and you understood the ferocity of the Roman Empire, how they just, they crucified people and they just did what they wanted. They ruled with iron hands. And you heard these words from Jesus. Hey, when you hear these things, don't freak out. It's okay. It's probably, it's probably easier said than done, right? And remember who Jesus was talking to. James, John, Andrew, and Peter. He was having this little private discussion with four of his closest companions. They're having this, this little this little one-on-one almost talk. And these men were fishermen. How what was their courage like? They were fishermen, they were well acquainted with boats and water and all the ways of maritime life. It was these same men who had been on a boat one day with Jesus, a boat that got caught up in a storm, a brutal storm that suddenly came upon the water. And how, how did they respond? They were afraid. They were going to drown. Now, these were guys that were used to being on the water, so it must have been some kind of really bad storm. And yet Jesus, Jesus was calm. He was asleep. And they screamed in fear. Save us, we're gonna drown. Well, he heard them, Jesus heard them. He stood up, he rebuked the storm and it stopped and they were amazed. And it was these same men, these same men who were afraid of drowning that Jesus said, when you hear, this is something way beyond a storm out on the Sea of Galilee. When you hear of disaster coming, wars, rumors, bad things, Don't be afraid. So when it came to courage, how was their record? Not really very good, was it? Now, how do you think they're going to do? How do you think they're going to do with this advice from Jesus? Because just a few days later, after this conversation about the wars and the rumors of war, Jesus was arrested. How did his friends respond? How did they react? Mark uh, 14 Verse 50 says, well, then everyone deserted him and fled. There's the courageous, right? Peter, it says, Peter decided to follow at a distance. Jesus gets arrested. He's dragged away. Peter's way in the distance. Jesus gets to the place where they're interrogating him. 
Peter's hanging around outside. And he's recognized. Hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? Peter's overcome by fear. He denied knowing Jesus. No, no, I, I don't know him. But these people persisted. You know him. You know him. I think I saw you with him. No, I don't know him. No, uh-uh. And then a third time. You're a Galilean. Your accent betrays you. Surely you know this Jesus. And Peter, he comes unhinged. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. And he starts cursing and swearing. Now this despite all the things he had witnessed. All that Peter had witnessed in the presence of Jesus. All the power, the healings. People who were raised from the dead. Demons that were cast out. Jesus calming raging storms. Despite all of this, despite seeing all the power, he was afraid. Despite hearing the words of Jesus just a few days earlier. Hey, when you hear things coming, don't be afraid. These things are going to happen. And Jesus is arrested. And I know that's not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about his arrest. He was talking about things coming a little further ahead. But he said, when you hear these things, don't be afraid. He had even talked plenty about he was going to be arrested and all these things. And yet, Peter's afraid. All, all his disciples are afraid. And there's a principle we can take away from his words, though. When you hear, don't fear. We can apply this. The future's coming. It is coming, and it's going to include things you don't like. Now, I might not be a prophet. Puxatawney Phil might be a better predictor of the future than me. But I can, I can guarantee you this. Things are coming you're not going to like. Things are coming that might be painful. They might be hard. Don't be afraid. These are the words of Jesus. When you hear, don't fear. One of these times came upon Peter and his friends and they scattered Peter's fear was so great, he denied knowing Jesus. And what was Jesus thinking when he chose these guys? What was, what was he thinking? They're turncoats. They weren't there when he needed them. And I don't know. I don't know if I would have fared any better. I don't know if any of us would have. I, I, remember, uh, I remember the first... Gulf War. If you were around then, it was August of 1990, and Iraq invaded Kuwait. I was a young, married, in my 20s. I had a three-year-old and a two-month-old at the time. And one of our neighbors, just down the street and around the corner, he was working in Kuwait when Iraq invaded. And then his wife lost all contact. And she had two little girls of her own, close to Julie and I's girls' age. 
and communications cut off with our husband. And we wondered, was our neighbor ever going to make it home? We started hearing about all this big coalition of uh, nations in the U.S. Uh, amassing, amassing troops on the border of Iraq for months. And then it was in January of 1991 that bomb, bombings began. And I remember it distinctly. The night that the bombardment began, I was at work, I was in my office, and I was the last person in the building. And I was in there with a, a radio on. And I started hearing these reports. It was, it was dark. It was evening. I started hearing they're bombing. And, you know, our, our neighbor was there. And I stood there looking out the, my window, looking out at this, uh, at a view of great evergreens. And uh, I'm just looking out there in this beautiful night thinking, wow, what's going to happen? What's coming? All this was a major event in my, I'm, my life. I'm, I'm still in my 20s wondering what's going to happen with my country. I'm not 30 years old. I got two kids. What's going to happen? In my own job, work had already begun to slow. This thing had kind of rocked a little bit of the economy for sure. Our boss had already told us, look, things are tightening up. I don't know where this is going to go. How's this going to affect my job and my family and our lives? And I remember I walking out the door that night, locking the door. I got in my car. I remember the car. I had a green Chevrolet Malibu station wagon. And I sat in that car, turned on the radio, and just I had this sense of dread. And I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure if I'd have been there on the night Jesus was arrested, I'd have been running just like those other guys. Because fear, fear can, it can be paralyzing. It can rock you. No, I'm, I'm glad things turned out well and our neighbor did get home. But there were, you know, there were days, weeks of just what, what's going to happen. And I'm sure it was the same way for these disciples of Christ. Uh, he was crucified. But something changed in their lives. Something changed that altered this sense of dread and fear, the overcoming paralysis, the thing that would, would make them shake and quiver or just turn and run. And it wasn't long in the future. If we just flip ahead to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, just a couple months after this event where they all scattered, we see Peter and John, next chapter 3, they're walking into the temple. There was a lame man at the gate. Peter says, you know, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And this guy got up and walked. And it caused a big stir. People took notice. And it caught, caught the attention of so many. Peter and John, they just started 
teaching. They started teaching these crowds very, very boldly. They had all these people around them. And what resulted? Peter and John were seized. They were tossed into jail. They were interrogated. How did that go? How did that go? Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they, the interrogators of Peter and John, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. One, before Peter and John were released, they were threatened. They threatened them. Don't talk about this Jesus guy anymore. Worse could come. So how did these two respond? Well, they stayed strong. They stayed strong. Maybe, perhaps, Jesus wasn't such a bad judge of character after all. These turncoats, these, these guys that had been frightened so many times, now we're reading about courage. We're reading about courage in the face of persecution and jail. And then Peter and John, they went on to tell the other followers of Jesus what had happened. And this was the response. It's the end of Acts chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, and I want to read verse 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And they went on and they continued in their prayer. And verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We're not reading about fear anymore. When the others heard, when they heard, they heard something might be coming. They heard, we've been threatened. Peter and John telling them, we've been threatened by the leaders of the Jews. They've thrown, they threw us in jail. They threw us in jail. They kept us overnight. They interrogated us. They, they told us we better stop talking about Jesus. They threatened us. And when the others heard this, when they heard, we don't read anything about fear. So what had happened? What happened? They heard something. They heard bad news might be coming, but they weren't alarmed. We should take note of this. Maybe we could, maybe we could learn some things, apply it to our own lives. Number one, these people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. When we talk about the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit, it's important. It's important. It's vital. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. He said it very straightforwardly. But he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to ask my Father to send the Holy Spirit. You know him. This is what Jesus said. You know him. He's with you. He lives with you. But he's going to be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. That's in John 14. And Jesus continued speaking. And he said this. This is John 14, 26 and 27. The advocate, 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. What are the marks? What are the marks of the Holy Spirit in you? Peace. Hearts that aren't troubled. When you hear, when you hear rumors, when you hear things are coming, things that you might not like, things that are troubling, have you received the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? This is a foundational question. It's a foundational question for, for Christian life. In Acts 19, 2, this was the question of this was the question of the Apostle Paul to these men from Ephesus. Acts 19:2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's a vital question. In the record of the book of Acts, it's thorough. It's thorough. It goes through. Over half a dozen times, it gives record of souls receiving the Spirit. And the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, he doesn't make inferences. He doesn't say, well, it's sort of might going to be. No, he records real events where something real and observable took place when people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were open and freely glorifying God. They were praising God, declaring the wonders of Almighty God, praising Jesus. They expressed spiritual gifts. They spoke in other languages. They prophesied. There was healings. There was bold and powerful, fearless preaching, fearless witnessing for Jesus Christ. And this is what we can expect. It's what we should expect of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Father will send the Holy Spirit and he'll be in you. I'm leaving you. But I'm gonna leave you with this promise and I'm leaving you with peace. Do not be afraid. And we see then these former, formerly frightened disciples People that had no peace, full of fear. Now how are they? They're courageous. They have no fear. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Are you dreading the future? Are you dreading something ahead? Have you heard? Have you heard something's coming? If you're afraid, ask the Father to be filled with the Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit Receive the Spirit. And a second thing, a second thing to take note of, when the disciples heard the threats of, that, that John and Peter described to them, when they heard, what was their first response? What was their immediate response? Was it, oh no, what's gonna happen? I'm dreading this future. Was it panic? No, their immediate response was to pray. No fear, but prayer. Not panic, but prayer. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. This is our example. This is our example. So often in the Old Testament, there would be a threat to the people they might hear the enemies coming and there was fear. There was fear. In scripture, 
would often put it this way, their hearts melted. Perhaps a leader like Moses would pray for them. But sometimes even the great leaders had these episodes of fear. There's the example of the great prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. He did many powerful things. God was operating with power in his life. But then he was threatened. And he heard that a queen named Jezebel wanted to kill him. He heard this. And when Elijah heard, what did he do? When he heard his life was threatened, he ran. He was afraid for his life, and he ran. He didn't pray. And when he finally stopped, he did pray. When he, he, he ran far away, sat down under a bush, and he prayed, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. You know, when Elijah heard something was coming, he was defeated by fear. He was paralyzed by panic. God had to work with him to bring him back where he could have no fear. When you hear, don't be afraid. Pray, pray. You know, there are wild things happening in our government. People are polarized. They're against each other. I mean, week after week, you don't, you, the news tells us. You don't really have to be uh, too, too uh, outside to know that there's, there's this distress in our country. One half is against the other. It's very polarized. People are against each other. Let's pray. Let's pray. I mean, we, you might be worried about what's coming because of it. Let's pray. Let's pray. We're in a country where we're free to pray. Nobody's going to persecute us. We can pray. They might call you a name. They might call you a Jesus freak. That's not persecution. We can pray. Many ridicule prayer. But prayer, prayer was central to the start of our own country. And I, I want to give you an example of that. I want to give you an example of a time when even the leaders of our own country heard something and yet they prayed. I take you back to Tuesday, September 6th. 1774, there were 55 men convening in Philadelphia. They were gathering at a place called Carpenter's Hall. These men were delegates from the various colonies for this thing called the Congress, the First Continental Congress. Men like John Jay in New York, John Adams, Samuel Adams, Thomas Cushing of Massachusetts, Patrick Henry, George Washington of Virginia, John Rutledge of South Carolina. For the very first time, these people, these men were establishing the first Congress, the first Continental Congress. And when they assembled, they heard something. They heard some news. They heard Boston's being bombed. The British Navy is bombarding Boston. Some of these men had their families in that city. What they didn't know was this was a completely false report. Boston was not being bombed, but that's the report they heard. They heard it, and they understood it to be true. And what did they do? Thomas Cushing, the guy from Massachusetts, he made a motion. Let's begin the meeting with prayer. Well, there was a little debate, believe it or not. John Jay of New York, Rutledge of South Carolina, 
They didn't want to pray because there was multiple denominations represented. There was Quakers and Presbyterians and Anabaptists and Congregationalists, Episcopalians. And Samuel Adams spoke up. He said, I can hear prayer from any of these men. They're devout. They love their country. And then what happened next was uh, truly awesome. Following their debate, they passed a resolution. The very first resolution of the First Continental Congress of the United States was a resolution to pray, to open their next meeting with prayer. The Library of Congress has recorded what occurred during that opening prayer of Congress the next day, Wednesday, September 7th, 1774. I want to read you a little bit of the, rec the record. It says, Washington was kneeling there, and Henry, Randolph, Rutledge, Lee, and Jay, by their side, there they stood, bowed in reverence. The Puritan patriots of New England, who at that moment had reason to believe that an armed soldiery was wasting their humble households. It was believed that Boston had been bombarded and destroyed. They prayed fervently for America, for Congress, for the province of Massachusetts Bay, and especially for the town of Boston. And who can realize the emotion with which they turned imploringly to heaven for divine interposition? And it was enough, says Mr. Adams, to melt a heart of stone. I saw the tears gush into the eyes of the old, grave, Pacific Quakers of Philadelphia. This is our example, another example. Devout men who despite their differences, they were united by a core. They were united by a core, their faith in Jesus Christ. And when they heard that Boston was being bombed, they prayed. They prayed. We're going to hear things. We're going to hear troubling things. We're going to hear things we do not like. Don't live in fear. Living in fear of what you hear, panicking about what's to come, it will wear you out. It'll give you ulcers. It's not going to be beneficial. A life of fear, dreading what's to come, it's no life at all. It's not an abundant life. Live life expecting there's going to be a challenge ahead. There will be times that we don't like. Jesus said such things must happen. But when you hear of them, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Rely on the Holy Spirit for peace and pray. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. It's Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit, the spirit of peace and love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I pray for any in this, any in this sanctuary that need to give, you, to give you their fear of anything that might be coming, to give you their anxieties, their worries, God. I pray, Lord, that that release to you would be accomplished right now and you would grant peace beyond understanding, peace that transcends our understanding. And we thank you, God. We thank you. Thank you for visiting us this morning.
Thank you for your presence. We're grateful for all that you do for us, God. And God, bless your people. Raise your hands for the blessing. God bless your people. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon everyone here and grant them peace. And may that peace that passes our understanding keep every heart and mind and soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.